Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Yeah, we couldn't figure out what to watch, and you suggested we do a hard target search of every streaming service, DVD store, website, Leonard Malden's movie review book, <laughs> uh, doghouse, outhouse, <laughs> and what was the result? What did we watch? The Fugitive! <laughs> and by good. this, of course, you mean the uh, 2020 series that was uh, famously on QB. No. Oh, you mean the series that was, uh, I believe, uh, in the t- early 2000s with Tim Daly on CBS? Not that one. Oh, you mean we watched an episode of the original 
1960s uh, series starring David Jansen. That's not what we did, Kevin. What did we do? We instead watched the 1993 film starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. And I, I remember one thing you said was, you didn't think you'd make a good fugitive, but you think you'd do great in the pursuer role. Yes. You see a lot of Tommy Lee Jones in yourself. Yeah, I, I think I'd be good at that. I don't, I, would, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think I'd be good at trying to figure out where someone was hiding. Well, it gives you that confidence. I don't know. I was pretty good at hide and seek, like not the hiding part, the uh, seeking part. And I just, I feel like I, I'm good at like putting myself, I would get to, here's the, I would psych myself out as a fugitive. If I'm on the run from justice, everyone's looking at me. I, I, I'm nervous. I'm self-conscious. It's going to really send my anxiety spiking. And as a person with generalized anxiety disorder, I just don't think that the, that is the kind of lifestyle I would really thrive in. <laughs> but if it was just my job to find fugitives, I don't have that anxiety. I didn't do anything wrong. Not, not any, not nothing anyone can prove. And I can just focus my efforts on finding people. So but let's be realistic. In a mm -hmm. real-life situation, yeah. wouldn't it be more likely you'd be the fugitive? <laughs> Fuck you. Are There's you... a lot of stuff that's just waiting to catch up with you. Are you suggesting that I'm going to kill you and frame a one-armed man for it? I mean, doesn't that sound like something you'd do? No. <laughs> Jesus. Because you, whenever you do things, you make them too complicated. So you wouldn't just kill me and say, oh, it was a random person that broke in. With two arms. <laughs> You'd include too much detail, <laughs> which is the hallmark of the lie. So you say, oh, yeah, it was a mysterious one-armed man with, uh, I am with an, an eye patch. Sir, I am an excellent liar, first of all. I know that too much detail that you can't really back up and doesn't make any sense to have is the hallmark of a lie. Got to be a little vague. Got to leave them wanting more. <laughs> So if, if you killed me, you think you could kill, tell a convincing lie and get away with oh, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I... <laughs> you already oh, have yeah. that, that all hooked I got up? it all in here. <laughs> no, I'm not going to kill you. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't use my lying like powers for feels, bad anymore. It feels like you're like Batman mm. and you have a detailed plan for every contingency. Like, if you accidentally kill me, all you have to do is go to your little library, take out a binder that you prepared years ago with a step-by-step -step plan. Well, I'm very flattered that you think that, so thank you. But no, I have no plot to destroy you, my darling. So if you kill me, it'd probably be an accident? It'd probably just be a tragic accident. <laughs> Well, I want to know, how do you think you would do as a fugitive or a fugitive hunter? I think I would excel in both roles. No, 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 no. If you really think, okay, well, you've said earlier one thing that you would be good at as a fugitive, and I agreed with you on this, so why don't you tell tell our listeners about that? Very good at changing my appearance. Yes. I think you would be- Dramatically. Dramatically, you know. You can look very different, you know, you got the shaved look- clean shaven then you get the scruff look and then beards of all sorts and sizes i mean just unabomber-esque at times <laughs> yes frightening so i've got that down pat so you just be going but yeah you could just be doing different stuff with your hair you could blend in and, and i think i'd be good at finding people people are, are uh, very pattern oriented you could figure out what a person is up to could easily find you 
Really? Where would I be? You'd be down at the pool. What pool? Any pool. <laughs> Wherever you go missing, if there's a pool, you're down there doing laps. Jesus. <laughs> I got my little kickboard, my flippers. Yes. <laughs> I'd be running from the lawn, my swim flippers. <laughs> Gosh, People can always find you at a pool. Well, I know exactly where you'd be hiding out. I'd be going. I'd be looking around the streets. Okay, where would I go? And then I obviously go into one particular store. It's a used bookstore. And then I go in the back, and some idiot has stacked up the books like they're a little fort, and you're sitting inside <laughs> reading your little comics in there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm very literate. Well, you have that broad... That you're, you're an athlete just swimming, in, just swimming in mindless circles. Well, you know what? Swimming. I'm out there learning. Swimming benefited Harrison Ford in this movie. So who has the more uh, relevant skill, I guess? So you think every fugitive, everybody that goes missing is going to have an experience exactly like Harrison Ford in this movie. This Diving movie, off a this dam. This movie <laughs> is like, spoiler, the movie is like a documentary. Yeah, obviously. I imagine you kind of hit the same basic fundamentals on every fugitive experience. Uh, the movie is kind of a very loose, loose, loose documentary because it's very loosely based on a real-life case where, spoiler warning, the doctor was guilty. Yeah, what but was we, that don't, we, don't, we don't need to talk about that. What was his name? Uh, Dr. Samuel S. Shepard. He did it. Yeah. He did it. Why, why the fuck did people get so crazy about him not doing it? Because that's a more romantic story. Uh, yeah. Guys, here's a little secret for everyone who's listening to this who also loves true crime. In most cases, the guy did it. <laughs> and and uh, then gets, you know, praised and, and held up as some sort of martyr when he's just a wife-killing asshole. The more you know. <laughs> and that's how it looks from Kane's corner. That's true. That really grinds my gears. <laughs> Yeah, it's annoying because like you, you like it's such a fun, compelling story. A, a, a respected physician uh, is wrongfully accused of the murder of the woman he loves, his wife, and is framed and has to go on the run to clear his name. And you like that's so sympathetic, and you're rooting for the guy. And then you find out it was based on like an asshole who definitely did it. The evidence pointed to them, and basically the defense was, "But he's a doctor. <laughs> How bad could he be?" <laughs> he was at, like having affairs and stuff, yeah. but, but in the movie. Harrison yeah, Ford. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's an honorable man. He loves his wife. Loves his wife. There's times where he takes chances just to do the right good. thing. Yeah, he's not a bad guy. So the fictional doctor, good doctor, and thing about the uh, TV show, the Good Doctor. No, not the fucking good. I can I just say right here, I fucking loved this movie so much. I don't think you really expected to. I told you I'd seen it before, and I said it, it's it's well done. You were entranced by this. Yeah, I loved it. Okay, here's why. Some some key, it ticked some boxes for me. It's exciting. Uh, I loved that the protagonist and antagonist are both well-matched. They're both honorable men who excel at their chosen professions and are very, very intelligent and crafty. And so you're not having Harrison Ford outwit the dumb cops. He's going to battle with Tommy Lee Jones, who's U.S. Marshal character. Uh, what's his name? Deputy. Deputy Gerard. Gerard. They're they're well matched, and it's it makes it more intense because you're like, oh, what's gonna happen? You know. And then I love a it's a wintry tale, kind of takes place 
in the winter for a while, and then kind of, you know, get into St. Patrick's Day and whatnot. But I like a wintry tale. I like a Chicago tale. I love that you're running around Chicago. It's going, everyone's running around. I just, I just thought this was really well done. It was just like a fun, thrilling 90s film that really just made me smile. And I give it, I give, I give it a, a many fugitive stars. I, I just, I, I, I had such, I had such a fun time watching this. I've never seen it before. Did it hold up for you? Because you've seen it before. I saw it uh, in the theater almost thirty years ago. Oh, don't maybe don't maybe bleep that part out. So what did did it like? Was it better than you remembered? Was it way worse than you remembered? Did you notice different things on the second watch? It was it was pretty much as I remembered. It's a well crafted genre film. It's a really yeah, I love a well crafted genre film. It's just like I think those are a little harder to do than pe- I think those are are a little harder to do than people think. I also I just like I like the look of this movie. It's just kind of it's a bit gritty, without trying so hard. Uh, I I like the way it was told. It uh, it set up uh, the murder and got through the murder and the trial and the escape from prison in a pretty quick order. Yeah, we don't need a whole backstory. Like a hack would have been like. Would have been like it's good at intersplicing kind of scenes of the crime, scenes of the aftermath with scenes of him and his wife having a nice time at this gala, you know. And like, I thought that a hack would have just had it start as like, oh, hi, honey, oh, we're so in love, da 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 da. Then, like, you know, to take forever, oh, she gets killed, oh, there's a trial. No, this one just kind of throws you into it, hits you like a train, hit <laughs> in a police prison bus. Because that that's the the famous uh, big set piece in this movie. That was great. I love when the train hits the bus, but then there's another part of the train that's derailing that's coming at him, and you're like, oh, my God. I'm, like, screaming. He's helping the guards. It's just, it's thrilling. It's so good. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You, you, what did you think of Harrison Ford's performance? Great. He was great. And? I mean, he just seemed like a gentleman doctor who's trying his best. He's, he's, uh, he's not doing so well emotionally because he lost his wife and he's been wrongly accused of it. But he's determined to uh, clear his name and, and find out who really did it. Find the real killers. And I just, it's very compelling. You're just watching Harrison Ford run around and get into all sorts of like, oh shit, how's he going to get out of this one? And he's just using his wits to outsmart everyone. And it's great. You were constantly saying the movie was very stressful for you to watch. Well, it's like, don't go in the fucking prison to talk to this guy, man. It's too big a risk. He's so like he it doesn't seem to have real like he's just like whatever I'm just going to fucking roll the dice all the time. <laughs> I would be really bad at that because I would go to Dwayne Reed or something and like someone would look at me weird and then I'd be sweating and then I'd be looking around and then I would like See that happens now. Yeah, but but yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be a good fugitive because I would call attention upon myself with my nervous and off-putting behavior. 
I think your first move is you have a uh, distinctive long hair. I think you'd probably. I wouldn't cut my hair. You'd cut it. No. You'd, you'd dye it. I'd look terrible. You, do you want to look less than your best and be a free woman? Or do you want to look nice and fancy for your prison life? I you, you'd cut your hair I and you go my hair. and you go somewhere far away. Maybe I just invest in some nice wigs. <laughs> you wouldn't be hanging around uh, the south side of Indianapolis. No, for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be going into court buildings down there. You wouldn't be going into jail down there. No, going to the Irish parade. <laughs> Golden, the, go, go into the golden ace. Watch the young wolf tones. <laughs> That's the Indies Irish equivalent, I guess, in terms of cultural events for us. Should here. we talk about that since you brought it up? That's something that, that I know. I know. I have found it a very fun, amazing concert. Just a delightful energy, and it haunts you to this day. So why don't you explain? Well, let me explain first who they are, and then you could explain why this haunts you so much. Yes. So the Young Wolf Tones are an offshoot of the original band, the Wolf Tones, which that explains is, it. Which is an Irish uh, band. It's very political, very uh, you know Irish Republican in terms of its sentiments, and it's, it's just kind of like a fun band. They like you know they sing a lot of very political songs, but it's always a fun time. Great sound if you like Irish music, you know check it out. But the Young Wolf Tones, it's like there's two brothers and one brother. Derek Warfield founded this band, so they go around and they tour. And we saw them in they're, Indy. They're not really all that young either. I, I, that's fair. I don't know who they're comparing themselves to, but I guess they're younger than Derek Warfield. <laughs> so why don't you, why don't you explain why we? So we went to go see them at a bar in Indy called the Golden Ace, and it was really fun. But Kevin had some concerns. So this group. Where, where to begin? So <laughs> this this is it's a fine. We don't drink. I no. want to stress that yeah. we we had some non-alcoholic beverages there. Coca Colas. Because you're a recovering alcoholic, I don't want I don't want people to think you've yeah. And also, off the you wagon. don't drink because you don't like the taste. I don't like the taste. Uh so we go there. It's a, a nice business. Uh, the stage is outside. In an outside seating area, I'd say there's probably enough seats there for, would you say, like 150 people? That many? Okay. I'm being generous. Sure. Let's say 150 people. Okay. I'm really bad at estimating. What would you have estimated? 60 to 80? Why don't we say 100? Okay. So 100 people show up. To see this celebrated group play. How many people are in this group? Uh, let's see. There was the banjo player. There was uh, the, the guy on the keyboard. There was uh, the guy from America and short guy and Derek Warfield. So I believe there were five band members in total. So there were five band members in total that we've gone to see with about 100 other people. Ticket price was $15. That's pretty low. Yes, especially for what you're getting. It was like a three-hour concert. That's neither here nor there. So they, they they had just come from Ireland. They had taken a plane from Ireland 
with five people on the plane to fly to Indianapolis to do a concert for 100 people who were paying $15 each. And then they were going to go to a similar-sized venue, I think, in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And then a similar-sized venue in In Toledo. In Toledo. And then they're going to take a plane back to Ireland. And then come back. And then a couple weeks later, they're going to fly back to a similar-sized venue in some other Midwestern town. With all their instruments on the plane. It seems to me... That all of this traveling back and forth from Ireland is in and of itself expensive. How much does it cost for a round-trip ticket from Dublin to Indianapolis? Say like $1,000? I don't know, but yeah. If it's $1,000, that's $5,000 right there. That's $5,000 right there. And how, it, it just to be there for a few days for tiny concerts where they make almost no money? I, I, what's what's the thinking? Can you explain how they, they make a living at this? I don't understand it. When you pointed it out, it disturbed me as well. These are very talented, fun musicians who do a good job and should be compensated for their time and energy. And it was very depressing to realize that, yeah, that the, the, the math doesn't add up. I just did the math. <laughs> and so... <laughs> If there was a hundred people there, each paying fifteen dollars, they grossed one thousand five hundred dollars. If they have a similar, let's say for all three nights, th- Let, let's go. Let's go. Let's say it's a hundred and fifty people each playing fifteen dollars. Let, let's just let's go with the more extreme. Okay, one hundred and fifty. Yeah, times fifteen. That's $2,250. Okay, let me pull up the flight cost. I'm going to do this. I'm going to So $2,200 times 3, of course, that's 6750. So let's say they made $7,000 for this 3-day tour of the states. Okay. So a flight from Dublin to Indianapolis on Oh, this isn't actually as bad as I thought. Uh, it says a flight from Dublin to Indianapolis economy round trip. Yes. Is in early December $660. So that's $700 times five. That's $3,500. So I'm going to deduct $3,500. Okay. This means they grossed at most $3,250 divided by five. Each of these people is walking away with $650. Oh, God damn. That's awful. And that's not counting any baggage or luggage or anything. That's not counting any luggage. Also, I note. I also, I note, they're not like uh, magically materializing in Toledo. (laughs) No one is. (laughs) They're they're getting on a, a bus or some sort of transportation and they're paying really high gas prices to go from Indianapolis to Iowa and then from Iowa to Toledo. So you basically, I was jamming out to, you know, the man behind the wire and songs like Come Out You Black and Tans, and you were sitting there sweating with your calculator, figuring out... My green uh, hat. Are are these people okay? (laughs) The two genders. (laughs) 
Yeah, one just mindlessly enjoys while the other one gets to the heart of the matter. Yeah, the heart of the matter was free Ireland. <laughs> not 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 your your silly concerns. I hope they're doing okay. They, I mean, that was a really fun concert. We both had a good time. So like it was like a three hour show. Maybe half of the show is music, and the other half was Derek Warfield giving monologues on Irish history. And at one point, uh, somebody in the crowd was being loud during his monologue, and someone said, be quiet, this is why he came. Yes! To talk to us about history. That person was me. No, it wasn't. It was a very drunk young man. But I appreciated that. <laughs> you know, he's, he's speaking out on an important topic, and we respect him. We salute him. We bought his book. So The drunk guy's book? Not the he drunk guy. He seemed to be a very guy. learned man. I thought, hey, this drunk guy seems Derek to have something Warfield's to say. Derek Warfield's book about Irish. We thought it was going to be about Irish in the U.S. Civil War. And then it turned out to be something else entirely. <laughs> we don't always think things Think's, through. Well, I'm glad we bought it to support him. And hopefully, you I know. I think he needs every dime he yeah. can get. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But that was great. I'm just surprised that they came to Indianapolis. This is not a city I would have thought was like, oh, this is a huge Irish presence. And apparently, in the past, they've come here for Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving. What are you talking about? <laughs> in the past, they've come here for St. Patrick's Day concert. Yeah. And you think that would be a really big gig for them? Go somewhere with the big Irish population. Yeah, like New York or some Chicago. Chicago, something. Jeez. But yeah. Indianapolis, like, I mean, no. You love the city. <sighs> I mean, doesn't have a lot of Irish yeah, people. Yeah, it's in not it. like. Well, I mean, like I'm sure there's people of Irish descent, but it's not like people who make a big deal about that. <laughs> people don't make a big deal about things here in Indiana. People just stifle their feelings, stifle their identities. It's very conformist. It, it's called being Midwestern. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you think people are more open in? Uh, Fancy New York, where you come from? Don't you think so? I mean, people were. I mean, people seemed, people seemed friendlier in New York City than Indianapolis, by and large. Like people, like you know, and it would be in an intimidating way where you're like, "Why are you being so friendly to me?" Like people, you know, you'd be like, "I remember one time we were walking around looking at our phones trying to find something, and a guy was like, "Hey, I'll help you find it." Like, what do you need? And we we're like, "Uh, we want to go to the Target or something." And he'd be like, "Yeah, it's over there," and like walked us over. And it was like, "What an exotic life we!" Yeah, made. we were like, "Uh, okay." Where's the Target? Where's the this target? mysterious Target I've heard so much about. I remember there was the time where that lady helped us parallel park, and like I had to, you had to get out of the car because you couldn't do it, so I had to get in the driver's seat, and then she's like just directing us, and we were like so embarrassed, but that was nice. People are like aggressive because they're like, you know, it's New York, but they're like nice. Remember those two like those two workers, like those two like construction workers or something, like chased you down the street. And you were like freaked out, but it was just to tell you that you parked in an area where you were definitely going to get towed. Yeah. It's like, that's New York. Indianapolis is, is not, not so friendly. People are a little more closed off here, I think. People, people are a little more out for themselves. People here respect other people's boundaries. I think you prefer the New York way. Do you, which do you prefer? The New York way. Yeah. Because especially since New York always gets so much shit, everyone's so unfriendly. And it's like, yeah, you're, people are unfriendly if you're like some dumb tourist standing in the middle of the sidewalk, pointing at things, blocking traffic. But if you're just minding your own business and doing your own thing, people are fine. The New York way sounds like a really bad book you're going to write. 
with you standing in front of a model of the Empire State Building with your arms crossed and smiling knowingly. So you're going to ride the Indianapolis way, which is going to be you standing in front of Monument Circle, shaking your fist at it because it's been designated as the world's largest Christmas tree, even though, as you've pointed out many times, it's not a tree. It's just a statue, a pillar with lights on it. That's the Indianapolis way cover. <laughs> That's going to go over real well in the Hoosier State. <laughs> <laughs> I love Indianapolis too. It's just, I just think that there's a lot of uh, stupid assumptions about New York, especially from people in the Midwest around things like crime rates and, uh, you know, friendliness when it's like, look in the mirror, people. <laughs> Let's not name the city. Okay. But recently, Uh-oh. recently we took, a, uh, we spent a weekend in another city. And you said that almost made you appreciate Indianapolis a lot more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) Nashville was cool for a night. We got in. We were like, wow, this is happening. We're in a real city. It's so unlike Indianapolis. And then, like, night two of, like, drunk people on those stupid uh, bicycle pub things or whatever the fuck those are. I mean, they're in Indianapolis, too. But they don't, they don't seem to be everywhere. Like, they're just, I mean, they're just going through, it's like a mob of drunk people. It's just like, okay. The Ryman was awesome, though. That was really cool. We went to see uh, Jason Isbell. Yeah, so the concert was amazing. Uh, it, it was an interesting place to visit. <laughs> and I'm sure it's, I'm sure there's some parts of it that we didn't see that are cool. But the, the, the intense drinking culture, I think, was a lot. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Indiana, uh, the original show, The Fugitive, uh, the murder took place in Indiana. Do, do, do we know what part of Indiana? Yes. Uh, it took place in Stafford, Indiana. Where's that? The town is fictional. but I'm, I'm looking at some online research where uh, a person says, uh, if you look at all the hints... It's roughly where the town of Monticello is. Oh shit! <laughs> but that are you ta- serious? But that but that town is a little small, so maybe Stafford is more like the town of uh, Lafayette. So White County, Jesus Christ! Oh Lafayette! <laughs> oh God! Oh my! I mean, I'm not saying that because I have anything against Lafayette. We just spend a lot of time up there, so because of our fugitive fandom. Yeah, obviously that. Nothing else. <laughs> White County. Damn. That's, I did not even know. I love it when things turn out to be set in Indiana where you're like, what? Wild. Yeah, you're like the world's biggest one day at a time fan. And of course, that's set in Indianapolis. Naturally, and that that thing about the butler or something, those kids are from Terre Haute and they pronounced it wrong. I don't know. You've explained it. The thing with the butler. (laughs) That's how you describe family affair. Isn't that kind of the only distinguishing feature? Ryan Keith, it's a very well-written show. Uh, The other day, we often do interviews, and someone said, oh, uh, this person was carrying a Miss Beasley doll. And do you know what a Miss Beasley doll is? And I said, yes, because that's from Family Affair. Hmm. She has no answer, folks. I'm just uh, hanging my head in shame and my husband. 
you you enjoy Parks and Rec. That's set in Indiana. Yeah, yeah. We always talk about this when things about Indiana come up. There's a lot of cool shows for some reason set here, and you got to respect that. But I love that the fugitive. And are you kind of pissed off that Chicago sort of stole Indiana's thunder in this movie? Chicago's not terribly far from Lafayette. No, it's not. It's 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 same general area. But are you kind of like, hey, that could have gone to Lafayette? <laughs> Give them a tip of the hat. I, if I remember right, I, I've seen very little of the TV show The Fugitive, but the Gerard that pursues him is, I think, a member of the Stafford Police Department, which really doesn't make sense. No, he does not have jurisdiction to follow him all around the country. So they changed that in the movie so the Gerard is actually a U.S. Marshal. That would make much more sense because, you know... <laughs> Also, would Stafford keep employed? Like, hey, man, you have to, like, do the traffic or, you know, like, pull over drunk drivers. And it's like, oh, sorry, I got to go to to Malibu to find this guy who I let escape. <laughs> You're going to get fired pretty quickly, I think. So you think, uh, yeah, Gerard's not long for his job. Not in the original series. Did you like the original series? I've seen very little of it. Did you like it? It's basically, uh, I grew up watching the show, the TV version of the, of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And the that, found, that, that formed your worldview in some ways. Yes, I view life as being very tragic. I often <laughs> walk down lonely streets while a piano tinkles in the background. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's, that's, my, that's my life. <laughs> but that basically ripped off the idea of The Fugitive, where you have a person going from town to town getting involved in people's lives with someone chasing him on that show. It was uh, a reporter. We know reporters really are just awful, heartless people. He was your favorite. The reporter was your favorite character on the Hulk show. So the only episodes of the fugitive uh, I watched all the way through were the, was the two part final episode. It was one of the first TV series that had a final episode that uh, wrapped up the whole storyline. That's pretty cool. You should watch it. We should watch it. So did you like it? Uh, I, I watched the final episode uh, shortly after I saw this movie back in 93, and uh, it was something that had been referenced so heavily in pop culture that it was interesting. Right, and maybe it's one of those things that was really influential at the time and kind of knocked it out of the park, but almost to the point where everyone rips off it so it doesn't seem as fresh. Because I, I knew a lot of the story beats of that final episode because, of course, on uh, Late Night with David Letterman, Chris Elliott had a, a running... A uh, series called The Fugitive Guy, and it had a final episode that was somewhat similar to. <laughs> so you basically already seen it before. Yeah, there you go. Ah, yeah. You said this movie was basically like the first episode, the last episode smushed together in terms of what it accomplishes. Yeah, there's a murder. He's falsely accused. He makes a run for it. He clears his name. He gets caught. Yeah. I, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really enjoyable. I mean, I liked I liked the characters. I liked uh, the the antagonist cat and mouse thing. So do you want to check out the TV series now? Yeah, I'd say so, sure. Could be fun. Didn't we figure out that at least a couple episodes were written by uh, one of the writers on Wild Wild West that you liked? Yeah, I think you told me that. So that, that we definitely check those out. You know, check out some of the, the the ones that kind of hold up the plot more. Could be fun. And I just I like you know it's exciting. It's just kind of a simple thing. One guy's trying to run away. The other guy's trying to get him. 
What's going to happen? What's going to happen? People are going to jump off dams and look in dog houses. That's what's going to happen. I love it. Uh, it was a fun watch. I like I like I like just a good genre movie. Yeah. Like I don't need any of the like just, you know, and it's not it's not like super like everyone's trying to quip or anything. It's just like, like it's just, it just what's some sh- exciting yeah. shit's going to happen enjoy. If you want to go on a hard target search for fun, see this film. So is that when Tommy Lee Jones starts browsing in the Target? <laughs> He's looking in Bullseye's corner, all the $1 buys. <laughs> A little retail humor for you. <laughs> yeah, you used to be a retail reporter back in your youth. Yeah, back when I still had a a job, a job, a real job. <laughs> what do you think of Tommy Lee Jones, either in the movie or generally? I just kept on because we watched Lincoln recently. I just kept on being like, "Oh shit, Thaddeus Stevens is gonna get his ass." But no, he was great. I like. I mean, I liked him, and he was, you know, very. He had a good balance of seeming like an intimidating guy, but also like. He has all these interactions with his team members, and that kind of humanizes him more. He cares about them, so we can see he's not all intensity. So, and I like that he was very smart. He wasn't like blundering and being like, "Oh, the doctor got away again." Like they, they were, just, they're kind of just almost missing each other. And I liked when he said he didn't care if the doctor was innocent because it's like not his. I mean, he's not a judge. There's a, there's a scene in the movie where uh, he can. Tommy Lee Jones confronts uh, Dr. Kimball, and Dr. Kimball says, I didn't kill my wife, and Tommy Lee Jones says, I don't care. Yeah, that's that's good. I that's, mean, that's not part of Tommy Lee Jones's job. It's not part of his job. His job is just to capture fugitives. But then in the end, he, he, he ends up believing that the doctor was framed. The doctor is able to you know, put out all this evidence to be like, hey, this is the one-armed guy. You should look at him. And then, you know, they're able to go from there and... His name is going to get cleared. So you think you'd be good at the job of being a manhunter, but would you want the job? No, it sounds... Anya Kane, manhunter. I don't... What? Why do you keep saying it like that? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. I don't... I mean, no, I don't don't think I'd be long for law enforcement. I I wouldn't... I mean, I, I like the idea of finding people, but the idea of having to, like, wield a gun... I mean, am I the kind of person that you would trust with a gun? I would say no. I can't, I'm like, I lose my phone constantly, (laughs) you know, like I'm not, I, I, I'm not, I'm not adept in certain things. See, I'd love to watch a weekly TV show about your, your adventures as a manhunter. Would I be hunting you? Are you the man I'm hunting? I I think I would, I think I would fucking find you in two seconds. I'd be your, uh, crusty Stephen Hill from Law and Order like boss. What? (laughs) Adam Schiff in the early seasons of Lawner was was like the older guy who's always giving uh, directives and stuff to the staff. So that's me. I'm sending you out in the world. And who am I looking for? <laughs> Lanny, <laughs> our dog who always wants to run. Our, we have the fugitive dog because she, every time, like there's been times where she's gotten out the front door and made off like we'd accused her of killing her dog husband. And, like, she had to prove that it was a different one-armed dog that did it. Or, I guess, three-legged dog? I don't know. But she's, she's I mean, she wants to have, like, a, a a nomadic lifestyle, and it's honestly a nightmare. I've never, I no, that's not true. I've 
only met one other dog like this that just wants to run away at all times. Every other dog I've had has at least like seemed to want to stick around. So it's very frustrating. I got to admit, this show you're describing doesn't sound like it's going to be a winner. So it's basically me saying, Anya, go find our dog. You go out and find the dog. <laughs> At the end of the episode, she slips out again. So, uh-oh, I guess I go back out next week. How do these people make money doing this? <laughs> also, we'd probably get our dog taken away after a few times, right? So it's like a reality show? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I don't. I had you out there like I don't think criminals. I don't think we're. You you want me to hunt criminals, so I'm hunting like murderers who escape. Yeah, and I'm I'm giving you the orders from the office. Yeah, you just want to boss me around. My book lined office. Jesus Christ, you just want to boss me around. That's why you like this show. Anya, go do that. Then you put your feet up on the desk. I don't have to do this anymore. I'm the old mentor guy. Yeah. What if I was giving you directions and you had to go run around? You mean the occasional format busting episode? <laughs> Don't you think <laughs> that the, the the attractive young ladies who people want to see in action as opposed to the, the middle-aged huffing and puffing man? Well, if you want an attractive young lady, you should cast one in the room. <laughs> you! I'd just be walking around getting all sweaty and pissed off. So it is a reality show. <sighs> I I don't think it's a winner, but I I just I I wouldn't you rather wouldn't it be so stressful to be an actual fugitive from justice? Wouldn't that be like the could never relax? You live that life now. I know. It's because you don't know what I did in the past. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's a reason I'm so anxious. Yeah, you've told me the stories. <laughs> that night in uh, Brazil <laughs> that you pray you can forget but you never can it no. comes back late at night when you can't I wash my hands slid. again and again and the blood won't come out <laughs> no I never killed anybody and I've actually never been to Brazil so we're all good here you got the continent wrong. That's right, Anya. You've never killed anyone and have never been in Brazil. You're silly. So are we so are we done talking about the fugitive film? <laughs> a 29-year-old film. What a great, that I'm just discovering. What a graceless way to end the episode. Are we done? Do you have anything else to say? Any any other hard target searches for a topic that you want to <laughs> continue on? Any so, dog houses or outhouses that you want to check? So you're just now discovering this 29 year old film. I am. Yeah. Well, I yeah I I, I, I guess I'm not much. What of have a, you been doing? I'm not much of a movie buff. It's like it's like I if it, I haven't seen it, then it's kind of gone over my head. And it was really just a couple of years because I had to tell you about movies at all. <laughs> I took her to see a movie. She, oh, my God, the train's coming off the screen. Can you imagine being one of those people? That, that would be you. Guess what? That would also be you no, for a different pussy. for a different reason. What do you mean? You'd be, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get up and start screaming. You should be like, <gasps> like <laughs> being back in your seat all pale. Just prepare to meet my maker 
with dignity and oh grace. Oh my god! While you scream and holler. <laughs> when have I ever screamed and hollered at the at the at a picture show? I've never have. I have a lot of dignity. I have a lot of awareness. Yes, when we're in public, you're always very refined. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you acknowledge that. When we're in public, you're always very well behaved. And when we're in public, there's nothing you can do, nothing you do that can be complained about when we're in public. <laughs> so, are we done? <laughs> you are something else, Mr. Greenlee. As are you, Mrs. Greenlee. So exasperating. You married me. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to fl <laughs> flee from my justice after this. <laughs> What's your five-star final? My five-star final is that this flight from justice soars. <laughs> thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.